The Theonauts, episode 28. The one where we have the technology, we can rebuild it. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Orphanannies. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, wow. What's going on there, Jeremiah? Not much. I'm Jeremiah, by the way. Oh, that's right. I'm David Gaddy. And together, together we, we are, are the Theo Nods. Man, we are uh, running up against some uh, brain problems this morning. We are this morning. not on our game. No, we're not. Uh, Maybe it's because we're recording again on a Thursday. We haven't done that in quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, we started out there. I didn't even I didn't even name the show at the first. It was like, <laughs> like, hey, it's episode 20. Episode 20 something or other. Whatever. Where are we? So, I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of robots on the wall. I'm just chilling. So, anyways. And then we had all these technical problems. That's right. It's like the iPad wouldn't work. We couldn't get our soundboard <laughs> Anybody that does a a, a a web a web blog, what do you, what do you call podcast. this podcast? Thank you. I always have problems <laughs> with that word. Anybody who does a podcast can understand our. So we don't even know what we're doing. No, we don't. It's but, a podcast, but podcast. God is glorified. So we're I, Amen. Because <laughs> I hope that we're not glorified. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> God, if we're the representation of how, of what a podcast can be, wow. So, oh, if, if there's any, if there's anything good that comes out of what we do here, it's, it's all him. It's all him. It's, That's right. Is. Amen. So, how's your week been, David? Oh, good. We went to uh, the Dallas World Aquarium Saturday. Yeah, I've been wanting to do that. What was it like? Uh, it's cool. Uh, the one of the th- one of the things I thought was kind of interesting about it was that it was not uh, just a full blown aquarium. I mean, I was expecting nothing but wall-to-wall fish throughout right. the whole thing, right? No, it's like a, it's more of a terrarium. It's it's like four. Uh, do they have tourists in the cages? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I'm bumped. Yeah, nice. Okay, anyway, sorry. Okay, sorry. so anyway, this, it's about four stories, three or four stories. Uh-huh. And in the middle, it's open all the way from bottom to top. Oh, wow. And uh, they've got like a jungle they've built on the inside of here. It's all really? got glass ceilings, glass walls, so it uh, like frosted oh, glass. So dude, that's so cool. So yeah, it's it's like you walk into this big jungle and you walk along the path, and all throughout the throughout it, they've got exotic birds and monkeys and sloths and what all kinds of stuff like it this. Sounds it's, more like a zoo than an aquarium. Yeah, kind of. Except for the there's there's the cages, quote unquote, are smaller. There's not. Oh yeah, and there's not a whole lot of of big animals. It's all little stuff. Yeah. But as you walk through it, uh, you wind down into the lower level, which is the aquarium. So you get to see the pools of water from the top and waterfalls going into it. Oh, that's awesome. all that stuff. But whenever you, but then you go up underneath and you get to see like they had a, um, what do you call that? A manatee. Yeah. They had a manatee down inside the barber manatee. Yeah. You're the one for me. You're the one for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I am Bob the Tomato. <laughs> and I'm Larry the Cucumber. 
Welcome to VeggieTale Podcast. Trademark. Sorry. I didn't even use a voice to do that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. But I've uh, I've been wanting to go. In fact, I asked my wife to go on Saturday, but she has other plans. So Oh, yeah. I'm bummed. I'm going to have to wait a week. But I've been <clears throat> dying to go check this uh, aquarium out. So that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I took my grandson down there. Oh, and that's awesome. You should have seen him. Of course, he's not even a year old. He's, you know, seven months old. Little guy. And But he loved the fish, of course. Yeah. And amazingly the waterfall was a big draw for him really like every time we would uh like they were going through the gift shop and the gift shop opens to the waterfall right i'd say i'm gonna take jesse out you know and just wait on you guys sure and every time i'd come out the door where the waterfall was he'd start kicking and throwing his feet up and throwing his (laughs) hands up (laughs) it was really cool that's neat that's neat yeah well i've had a uh, pretty uneventful week i started a diet that's not fun right now i'm having the diet headaches Oh and, yeah, you know the detox. The de- yeah, that's right. There was a menu sitting on your table whenever I first came in for order out <laughs> burgers, stuff, and I was like watering at the mouth. Fries. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I would die for a burger right now. But anyways, it's going all right. I'm doing the Atkins thing. With, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's trying. I if I no see carbs, an, gotta cut all that. No carbs. Yeah, if I see another egg, I might throw up a little bit. <laughs> But, but you can eat all the sausage and eggs you want. That's right. Bacon. <laughs> I've been like devouring bacon, which is awesome. I mean, that's a great part of the diet. But I mean, without without mashed potatoes or, you know, bread of any sort. I had Dylan, uh, my uh, a kid that lives with us, <laughs> Uh, he was eating a pop tart at the kitchen table, and I was like, "Hey, Dylan, will you do me a favor? Just describe what that tastes like right now." <laughs> he's like, "It's kind of crunchy, but not really." And he's going <laughs> into all this stuff. I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. uh, guess what? What FCC's back in the studio this yeah, week? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in the new studio. Awesome. So- and I saw the pictures on uh, on Facebook. They mm-hmm. look really good yeah so awesome job Chomp, michael and chomping Brendan. at the bits to hear another yeah. episode i kind of miss him how long has it been like three weeks something like that yeah i think this is the third week but goodness yeah they're doing castaway should be today wilson <laughs> yeah, it's like what do you do in a movie with really no dialogue i don't know that's tough <laughs> yeah so well I, I hope he gives a uh, spiritual reference to whenever he has to Pound that tooth out of his mouth with the yeah rock. with the with the roller with the ice skate and oh. the rock yeah <laughs> that scene still makes you cringe <laughs> but awesome so go listen to that after you listen after you listen to Theonauts of course that's go, right go check them out and now the news well last week we talked about Houston and uh, the big up in arms thing about them uh uh the the mayor's office subpoenaing uh these four pastors about their sermons because of the lawsuit that the group um was suing the mayor's office about all that stuff and so Houston we have a problem that's right awesome good job <laughs> man if you weren't going to say it I was but uh anyways uh as of October 17th um the illustrious mayor of the city of Houston has actually dropped the subpoena or changed the subpoena, not dropped it. 
Um, and this comes from Christianity Today. It's also sourced from uh, Huffington Post. But um, the new subpoenas are issued Friday by the city of Houston. Do not ask the five, excuse me, five local pastors, not four, five local pastors for sermon notes, instead limiting their request to instructions regarding a petition to repeal the city's equal rights ordinance. So they want any kind of instructions that the pastors gave uh, as spiritual instruction, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to repeal the ordinance that the city just laid down. And of course, the ordin- ordinance is referring to, if you listen to last week, we talked about how the city ordi- ordinance is uh, to allow transgendered um, folk to use public <laughs> <Folk>. restrooms. <laughs> uh, so a man who is transgendered, if you call him trans, I don't know what you call him. Transvestites. Yes, a person can use a woman's bathroom, a woman can use a man's bathroom, whatever. Uh, Of course, this got uh, the city up in arms. (laughs) They did a petition. (laughs) Anyway, so this is a big ordeal. And I mean, it is huge. It's on, it's the top news on Christianity Today, top news on Relevant Magazine, top news on uh, pretty much everything. Fox News um, is is going big on this, but basically. the uh, the update has removed the word sermon, um, as well as the request for the pastor's teaching on sexuality and gender identity. The subpoenas still list all speeches, presentations, documents, text messages, emails, and other communication related to the ordinance, the petition, and their campaign to collect signatures. So basically, uh, we don't want your sermons, but anything else that you've directed them to subpoena us... We want that to prove in our defense to fight against this lawsuit. Gotcha. So it's man, it's a big old hairy ordeal, and uh, I don't think it's that big of a story. Well, check this out. No, I mean I know it's a big story, but yeah. I mean I don't know why it is this, such a big story. This is what's crazy to me, and um, I had a great conversation with my pastor and another one of our um, uh, parishioners, layman. Yeah, friend of mine over there at the parish. Over at there at the parish, yeah, parishioners. Why did I say parishioners? <laughs> what in the world? Anyways, we had this conversation. Well, that's what they are, right? Yeah, basically, they they're in the parish. Yeah, so we had this conversation. Getting back to my point, <laughs> we had this conversation about whether or not it was <clears throat> it was free speech limiting okay, to subpoena right. this. Okay, and you know some of them are arguing, yeah, this is free speech limiting and all this. But my thing is, it's not limiting my free speech. They just want to see what yeah. I said. Right now, if they were to make a law against what I said or put me in jail for that, that would be free right. speech. Right. So if they want to subpoena me and ask me for my sermon, subpoena all you want. Here you go, Holmes. There's my <laughs> sermon right there. You can read it, and not only that, but I'll give you the Here, scriptural here's, evidence. Here's a recording. That's right, and that's the you know that's the thing. It's a subpoena for the you know, anything related to this, but it has nothing to do with limiting their speech. They're not trying to stop their speech. They just want to use it as evidence against them. Right. Right. So anyways, but, um, the second news article I have, uh, it's, uh, it, it comes from, uh, um, the Christian post, Mike Huckabee, Phil Robinson of duck dynasty fame. Yes. Uh, join the I Stand Sunday event to support Houston pastors subpoenaed for their sermons. <laughs> so, so basically, they, so they're getting involved with the whole uh, yeah, Houston thing. Huckabee and other leaders, including the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, 
is uh, making the stand and going down on the first Sunday of November uh, and doing a protest. Um, and they're calling it I Stand Sunday, and they're inviting anybody that wants to come down to support these pastors who have been subpoenaed. Even after they change the wording yeah. in it, they're still they're still doing the same. This is my argument. This is where I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with this. Okay, What they've done is they've taken something that was focused on uh, the rights of is the focused on the definition of I guess you would call it of uh, what's the word I'm thinking of the definition of I'm, I'm trying to read your mind but I'm having I know um, not persecution discrimination sorry oh there you go wow that word the definition <laughs> is this is this is this discrimination discrimination religious discrimination exactly or is it free rights right now originally we were focused they were focused in Houston on no listen this is not discrimination to say that a a transgender person cannot use the other it is just privacy we don't want that to happen right. there's you know and that's what the push was for but because of the subpoena all of a sudden this thing this whole thing shifted and changed into uh, uh you know this is the first amendment right to free speech now that we're focusing on so is this like going all the way to the to the ordinance itself? Like, is, are they saying is discrimination, is it discrimination for a transgendered person to, to not let them into the bathroom of their choice? Well, basically the subpoena, um, the ordinance was about discrimination. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the ordinance was saying, we don't want to discriminate against anyone. So you can go into the bathroom of your choice. Well, the subpoena that fought back against that said, no, this is not discrimination. Uh, you shouldn't be able to go into the bathroom of your choice. It's, uh, um, it's misconduct. You shouldn't do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they throw out the subpoena. So they lawsuit, you know, against throwing out the subpoena. And then, uh, so the mayor fights back to subpoena the, uh, not subpoena. Why am I saying that? Lawsuit to fight back against the, um, petition. Okay. So the mayor, uh, fights back by subpoenaing the, the writings, the writings, or right, the or sermons, the sermons. Okay, <laughs> so what they've done is changed the whole focus from the question of was this, you know, was this a civil rights thing versus was this? This is just really messed up. Free speech. It's all just a bunch of harebrained junk. <laughs> and my point is, is you know, we've blown this so out of proportion that now you know Phil Robinson and Mike Huckabee feel like they have to make their voices known yeah and it's just frustrating to me it's like well we have to send down our christian superstars to fight against these rights <laughs> the discrimination against the rights of these pastors. The christian superstars exactly and my thing is well their rights aren't being violated at all yeah you know what i mean so mm-hmm. anyways whatever you think about it if you have a input maybe i'm saying this wrong i'm scatterbrained this morning but you can yeah. uh send us a what you think about it it's pretty uh it's a pretty interesting to me. It's an interesting story because what is this really about, right? Uh, right. And Christians should stand. Uh, I believe they should stand up in defense of the argument that this, you know, we shouldn't allow transgendered people in the restrooms, but we shouldn't let allow everybody else to shift the focus to free speech, right? Because what we're going to do is just totally forget about this other issue. Anyways. 
That's what I have to say. Uh, one more really interesting thing is kind of cool. Uh, out of Revel- Relevant Magazine uh, reports that Shia LaBeouf yes. of... Uh, the Transformer guy. Transformer fame. <laughs> That's right. The Transformer guy. Young Indiana Jones. Yes. Oh, that was a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> no, but... Uh, the new Indiana Jones. He has become a born-again Christian, according oh, really? to Relevant Magazine. But it's really funny the quote they they put on him, and I'll read it. Uh, basically, um, he had a lot of crazy things happen this year, um, and out of that, he he surrendered to Christ. But this is his quote: "I be I became a Christian man, and not the effing bull s way." <laughs> what? This is his quote in okay. a very real way. I have uh, I could have just said the prayers that were on the page. But it was a real thing that really saved me. And you can't identify it unless you're really going through it. So basically, he surrendered to Christ. Uh, he uh, has tried. He talked. To, right now, he's doing the movie Fury. It just came out, I think. Yeah. With Brad yeah. Pitt. Yeah, I saw that he was in that. Seems really cool. And David Ayer, um, who are both Christians. And uh, and they talk to him, and, and he's uh, surrendered to Christ. So it's pretty interesting to see what God does in, in Shia LaBeouf's life. Um, I think he's an amazing actor personally, mm-hmm. and so I'm really excited to hear about that. But I haven't I haven't seen him in much actually. Just you know what I mentioned. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I saw like uh, well, he, what was he? He was in some TV show. Oh yeah, right? way back in the day uh, on Nickelodeon and uh, some kids show. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was a really really funny, clever, witty show. But uh, yeah, I mean Transformers was his big name to claim or name claim to right fame. right and i only saw the first one of those before i got really tired of it <laughs> sorry are you hating on transformers <laughs> i mean i would you know the transformers from the 80s that's one thing <laughs> that crazy movie or all those crazy movies or whatever that uh just uh, loud <laughs> And flashy. Like, I can't even see what's going on on the screen. There's so much stuff happening on the That's screen. That's true. Especially, <laughs> so like, like, the second one was, oh, my gosh. Anyways. So that's pretty much uh, what I have for the news. Okay, cool. Cool. Before we jump into the topic of the day, yes, um, I was going to mention uh, just kind of an echo off of our last podcast, and I was trying to pull up the my uh, Twitter, but oh well, we'll just, just buy, it. we'll just wing it. Uh, I had some interesting conversations with Ron of the Red Oaks on Twitter. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, about how um, uh, this whole idea about were the founding fathers actually in error with what they said in yeah. the, in the, in the, that's a really good or question. not in error, but in um, like unscriptural, like unbiblical mm-hmm. in their statements in the, in the declaration of independence about huh. the God given rights to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, you know? Yeah. And uh, of course that's a very unpopular uh, take. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but I think we can see that, um, there's a there's an interesting point there because one of the things that that I mentioned was can you really see Jesus like fighting in the revolution or even suggesting that it you know <laughs> suggesting it yeah um probably not right 
<laughs> well, you gotta you gotta look back. Why did we have the Revolutionary War? It it was basically taxation without representation was the number one reason, right? Mm-hmm. We were being bled dry by the bloody Brits, and we didn't want that king anymore. We wanted to be our own autonomous community. So basically, we rebelled against the king because of taxation without representation. Right now, question: Is that biblically founded? <laughs> Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. <laughs> yeah, if anybody so, had had cause to rebel, in it was first century Palestine, right? And, yeah, well, the well, in fact, they were expecting that. Right, they were expecting Jesus to emancipate them. Yeah, that's what they. Well, I say Jesus, a Christ. They were expecting the Messiah, the Messiah, yeah. to to emancipate them. And what they got was a pacifist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know it. Uh, I, as I mentioned in the in the in the podcast and in the tweets, I'm very torn. Yeah. Because I love the freedom we have, and I respect the people who died for that. And I'm like, I mean, trust me, I'm all about freedom and, and patriotism and, and all that. But at the same time, I have to struggle with this idea of, you know, uh, freedom isn't free. So are we still willing to pick up arms, and we still willing to? to deal with this or do we submit to whatever happens? Right. There's just, a, it's a hairy, hairy, hairy situation. situation. Well, in and all, the American church is going to disagree with that. Like in oh, a big yeah. way. Well, but, I, uh, the first time I ever heard, heard this, mm-hmm. I was in high school and I had a Latin teacher named Mr. Cox. Mr. Cox made this, this offhanded comment. He was a weird guy to begin with, but he made this offhanded comment. If I was alive during the revolutionary war, I probably would have been a Tory. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that floored everybody in there. They're like, what are you, you know, insane and all this. And I'm going, well, biblically, I don't, you know, oh, that's interesting. So, uh, wow. Ron, what, what did Ron the Red Oaks have to say about it? He was in, he was in agreement with, yeah. with that. And he stated how he was in the uh, minority yeah. <laughs> of the people he's disgusted with. So. And, but again, I can take those truths, life, liberty, those truths, I say the truth, those statements, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and I can turn them on their head and say, well, we were created to have life abundantly, mm-hmm. to have freedom in Christ, and to have happiness only found in Christ. Right. So that works, but what they intended those statements for was all physical. was all physical. It right. had nothing to do with spiritual aspects. So, And it's led to now... <laughs> Name it, claim it. Yeah. God will give you anything you want. Yeah, they're right to McDonald's, <laughs> Walmart, and Direct TV. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Pass the KFC. All right. Anyway. All right. So let's move on to yeah. the topic of the day. Well, it's kind of interesting that we talk about uh, materialism. Yes. And all that. Um, well, one of the things uh, that's been really interesting to me lately i've been using a lot a theme in my preaching and teaching kids um and it's one that i keep coming back to and i guess originally the reason i was so focused on that and it's going to be the topic today um whenever i moved out uh, at 18 um when i was 19 years old my parents called me and said hey we're gonna adopt a kid And this kid was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I believe he was 12, or he may have been 13. Um, and I had no really concept of adoption at all in my life. And uh, it was just a stunning shocker to me 
I moved back home for like a summer and lived with this kid and he became my brother. Right. Right. And, uh, he was our adopted brother. Ton is his name. And, uh, ever since that, that period of my life, I keep coming back to this idea, this theme of adoption. What is adoption and how, I mean, how amazing is it? Yeah, this is one of the things I've not given a whole lot of thought to either, unfortunately, um, as I was growing up and and uh, even much later, uh, had kids uh, with my wife and they've grown up now. And my daughter uh, is actually in the process. Her and my son-in-law are in the process of adopting. Wow. It's a long, hard uh, thing because the, one, they're so young. Uh, two, they're focused on basically one of the few countries that will actually adopt to someone in their age range, and that's uh, <clears throat> Ethiopia. Oh yeah, and oh, so and wow. so they're 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 on the list. They've made it through several steps and and uh, and all this sort of stuff. So they're. They're in the process of going through this. Now, since we've been involved with them in it, um, Dad and I've got some friends that are adamant adopters. I yeah. mean, they've adopted a couple of kids, and um, I've got another set of friends, and they've adopted a couple of kids, and all foreign ado- adoptions. Awesome. And so um, <clears throat> it's really been on the forefront of things for me, uh, especially since I've been going to other countries and doing foreign mission work. And uh, I hear th- their struggles, like as adoptive parents, what they're struggling with, what they're hearing from other Christians. <laughs> uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. Sure. Uh, the mindsets that we in, and some of this is tied to patriotism uh, once again. But right. The, um, but one of the questions that I think we should start with is why adopt? Right. Well, um, that's a, that's a really good question. And just to, uh, to piggyback on that, um, adoption is, is one of those amazing things that kind of, it either divides a little bit or it unifies and, but why adopt? That's a great question. Let's look at the Bible real okay. quick and let's just look at some commandments that God lays down and the first thing I want to turn to is James 1 27 oh yeah um, and I I just I love this the scripture in this in this uh, scripture James says this <clears throat> religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Mm-hmm. So right there we have a commandment that true religion is about taking care of or visiting, quote-unquote visiting, the the ones less fortunate. And there's always this pairing in Scripture. You have a ton of pairing of orphan and widow, widows. Okay, mm-hmm. That denotes something. And what it denotes is uh, people who can't take care of themselves. Right. Okay. Um, well, and also the the thing that he says there about uh, visiting them that doesn't just mean you know go say hi you know and sit down and have a cup of tea <laughs> how you doing yeah. all right see you later 
No, what, what that means is care for that. And, and so there's a, a charge here. And also there's that, that the concept of religion. Um, I almost think that in, you know, this is debatable, but I almost think that James is being somewhat facetious in his wording. Huh? Because, um, the definition of religion is, um, is doing good things and performing in order to, uh, do what God wants or to, you know, right. So when we think of religion, oftentimes we think of, of ritual and we think of, you know, Christian practices and this sort of thing. And, I think what he's trying to say is because he starts out there right before he talks about that, he's talking about a guy who's, who's, you know, left his house and forgot what kind of man he was. You know, you looked at yourself in the mirror, but then you left and kind of forgot who you are. Right. And he says, if any man doesn't bridle his tongue, you know, so if you're walking around going on about how good you are or whatever, he's, he's like true religion is this. So I think people are, get so focused on religion is based on what I say. I'm just like, for example, when Shia LaBeouf uses a couple of, of expletives, expletives. To, to describe his faith, right? All the Christians go. Everybody writes them off. Yeah, they just write that off. They okay. So it's all about you know what we say and what we do defines us as Christians. So we're in that mindset, right? What we say and how we talk defines us uh, to the world as as Christians. But there's another aspect here because he says it doesn't matter how good of a talk you talk. It doesn't matter how well you speak or whatever if you're not doing something with it. Right. If you're not helping somebody, if you're not loving on somebody. And that's why I think that he says this is true religion is not about perception. Right. But it's about uh, loving. Exactly. And you can also look and you can see throughout Scripture, uh, God is extremely uh, focused on accepting and loving uh, those less fortunate. Um, It's actually his, um, it's almost like he uh, takes great care and consideration of that. In fact, many of the plagues in the Old Testament, the purpose, the reason of those plagues in the Old Testament, whenever they go and acquire the Lord is... Usually it's because, hey, because you're not taking care of these people that I told you to take care of, or you're, right. you know, you're doing injustice to these these widows or orphans, and and we can we can put <coughs> orphan uh, in with with anybody who who needs help, who needs uh, protection. Uh, Deuteronomy twenty four uh, seventeen through twenty one. Of course, this, this is the law, but it it tells some of the heart of God. Right. Uh, you shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless. So he compares uh, a traveler, an outsider, sojourner, mm-hmm. to the fatherless. That's that's a orphan. Or take a widow's garment and pledge. In other words, uh, take up collateral for a loan for a widow. Right. Okay. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field... You shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And the Lord your God may bless you in all your work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It is for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. 
When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the father, the widow, fatherless, the widow. Okay, so he gives provision, actual provision for the fatherless, the widow, the sojourner. Um, and this is a great, uh, we see this played out in actually one of the books of the Bible in Ruth. Mm-hmm. Right, where right. Ruth is traveling through as a widow uh-huh. and collecting the uh, the grain that's been left behind by the harvesters. Right, um, and this it's just a great picture of how God cares for and provides for the fatherless. And um, if we even look at, and we mentioned this last week too, but when Jesus started his ministry, he did so in Nazareth, and he went to the he went to the um, to the synagogue there. And they were reading from the scripture, and he got up and read from the scroll of Isaiah and, and quoted Isaiah 61 and basically says this. This is my mission statement. Today, this is fulfilled in your ears. And, he's, and he quoted it, and, and the quote that he read was this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm in the ESV. This is Luke 4 and 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. The, the, whenever I started uh, doing foreign mission work, this is a verse that really spoke to me a lot because I started looking at, we call ourselves Christians, which means we are like Christ. We follow Christ that's our what we are so we're we're calling ourselves that right so if we are following Christ we should be walking in his footsteps so his mission statement is our mission statement and his mission statement here is not let's establish big churches and let's and let's make sure that uh we've got all these these programs and you know, I mean those I'm not saying those are all all that stuff is wrong what I'm saying is that wasn't his focus his, right. his focus was on uh, people, bringing good news to poor people. Absolutely. To setting, uh, to proclaim liberty to captives. Not all captives are in bars. Not all prisoners are in jail, physical jail. Right. There, there is another type of prison that, that people all over this world live in. And being without a father, especially in a country that has no way of supporting those type of people. Right. Th- that's a prison that, that they'll never be free of. Well, and speaking of countries that have no way of supporting a person, um, according to the Bible, it is not the government's job to take care of widows and orphans. Correct. Whose job is it? The it's church. Ours. That's right. It's ours. Our who We who have been redeemed are supposed to be taking care of them. And there's, I mean, there's so many scriptures uh, in Psalms, Isaiah, that say provide for, take care of the widow, the orphan, the, the one that's hungry. But um, just to give you some statistics on in today's uh, society, <clears throat> it is estimated, and this is from UNICEF, uh, I'm pulling these statistics from SOS Children's Villages, which is a, a non-denominational, uh, non profit organization that um, houses orphans all Mm -hmm. around the world. It's the number one, the biggest um, houser of orphans in the world. And these are their statistics. A lot of them they pull from UNICEF. Mm -hmm. Um, 
It is estimated that 153 million children worldwide, ranging from infants to teenagers, have lost one or both parents. Put that in perspective, um, there are roughly 7 million, close to 8 million people in New York Mm. City. Right. So how many times over New York City... (laughs) Right. If if New York was an orphanage, <laughs> if New York was an orphanage, it would you would have to have like what ten of them in order to house this many <laughs> orphans, right? Wow. And uh, that's insane. Okay. HIV or AIDS has orphaned seventeen point nine million children, uh, most of them in the sub-Saharan African and Southeastern Asian area. Over seven million children are in institutional care worldwide. So institutional care, that's uh, orphanages or foster care, okay? One in five children living in developing countries is severely underweight. One in five kids is severely underweight. Right, malnourished. Malnourished, that's right. Over one billion children suffer from at least one form of severe deprivation of basic needs such as water, food, and sanitation. One billion children. That's a hundred million children. That's a fifth of the world population. Right. No, is is it that? There's only six billion people in the world. Right. So it's one. One out of the six billion people in the world suffer from one form of severe deprivation. Stuff that we take here in America for granted, Mm -hmm. food, water, sanitation. Well, in in the last, one of the last statistics I heard was uh, uh, approximately 26,500 children a day die from a preventable cause. Right. So we're talking, you know, malaria or um, starvation. Yeah. Or one, 2011, 19,000 children under the age of five died every day. Mm. 19,000. Yeah. Um, 22 million children are refugees of internally displaced, forced to flee their homes due to violence or natural disaster. 22 million children refugees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Over 1 billion children live in countries affected by arms conflict right now. 67 million children are prime are uh, of primary school age do not go to school. 67 million children don't go to school. Right. Children suffer from domestic violence everywhere on every continent. Households report domestic violence against children at rates ranging from 20 to 60%. Mhm. That's insane. And it's not not even to mention the um human trafficking that happens. Oh yeah. And definitely. orphans are prime picking for human trafficking. That's right. Because no one cares. Uh, I mean there's no one's going to miss them. And, and that's, so it, it's really, uh, um, if, if you can cut down on the number of orphans in the world, right. you're, you're going to cut down on the amount of human trafficking that right. happens. There's child soldiers, um, like Burma is one of the largest producers oh, yeah. of child soldiers in, in the world. And so these are either orphans or they're stolen kids from villages. Um, so yeah, there's, and you know, what's his, uh, Richard Stearns. The yeah. guy, you know, we talked about the hole in the gospel book, right. uh, last go around. And in that book, he mentions that the equivalent of, of these children that die from a preventable cause every day is equivalent to a hundred airplanes crashing a day. 
Now, if a hundred airplanes crashed every single day, would it be in the news? <laughs> you betcha. Oh, we would be all about it. That's right. Someone would be shouting human rights. Someone would be shouting, uh, we've got to get these airplanes grounded. We can't. There would be the biggest investigation you ever saw. Why are all these airplanes crashing? Right. But this is a reality. This is really happening. And it's not in the news. It's, right. it's in fact, uh, you hear people even say, even Christians say things like, well, those people brought it on themselves. I mean, you were talking about like in the, in the African population, uh, how HIV has created so many uh, orphans and stuff oh, over yeah. there. And they were, well, if those people would just act right, they wouldn't have all these, these orphan kids and they wouldn't, but people don't stop and realize that you're a product of, of your environment. That's right. I've heard people say things like, you know, well, those people over there just want a handout. You know, if they just go, go to work, if they just, you know, that they, they, they'd fix that problem themselves, that they're just lazy or whatever. And it doesn't matter how much ambition you have. When you're in a place where there is no job, where there are no jobs, there's no food, right. there's no water, there's there's very little um, goodness in your life. Right. Uh, I, I saw an interview one time with a 14 year old girl who had been pregnant like twice, and um, she said when they were interviewing her about why would you do this? She was just like a prostitute. And they were like, well, you're 14 years old. Why wouldn't the world would you do this? And she was like, sex is the only pleasure in my life. Wow. I have no other happiness. Nothing else makes me feel good. It's the only thing I've got. And she says, I'm going to die by the time I'm 20 anyway. So I might as well enjoy it. Okay. So you have a bunch of people that are in hopeless situations yeah and the hopelessness creates problems in their uh, community in their society right people i mean if someone told you you just got to stop having kids <laughs> is that really going to work no matter how bad off you are here think about it from, from our american standpoint well no one's going to tell me i can't have That's kids right. we get mad at the at the chinese government for limiting the number oh, of yeah, kids the they can have kids, yeah. well and yet i've heard so many People here in America and Christians say, well, if they just quit having kids, they wouldn't have this problem. Right, right. Well, they have to live life. Part of, of life is having family. And I don't know. It, it's just when, until you go and you meet and you see the needs. Right. You can't really grasp it. Right. And there's so many, um, so many in need. You know, you can keep pulling out these statistics in Zimbabwe, 66% of children um, in the SOS uh, organization families have lost both parents. In Egypt, 9 out of 10 children in the SOS villages were born out of wedlock and abandoned. Um, it's just insane. Uh, 30 million children in East Asia suffer from a w at least one severe deprivation. Uh, Asia has the largest population of uh, of home uh, orphaned children mm -hmm. at sixty million. Wow, sixty wow. million children. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, put that in perspective. There are one hundred and twenty thousand orphans in America, mm -hmm. which is a big number. One hundred and twenty thousand right. orphans. Well, and this and this also brings us to another point because I hear this all the time too. 
aren't there plenty of American kids you can adopt? <laughs> Why do you have to go over there on the other side of the world? And it's not to not to slam anybody that's adopting American kids. That's a totally understandable no, thing. It, it, all of them need a home. All, all of them, them need love. But the reality is, is, is the severity, the chances of you being adopted in America are much higher than they are if you're born, say, in Asia. Right. 30 million versus 120. And and even, and, and, and besides that, you, you could be saving a life by adopting in a foreign country. Right. Because one out of five of these kids doesn't survive. Right. And so, I mean, it's... There, not only that, you got the sex slave thing going yeah. on. You're, you, you can, you're, you're saving kids from this. Right. Um, there, there are people over there, like especially in Asia and and in that type of thing, that they're killing their children, right? To to, to save them from years of of uh, of being neglected, neglected hurt. And, yeah, right. That's right. And in fact, here at least, and th- this is not a a qualifier to say it's okay. But at least here, if you're in the system as an orphan, mm-hmm. you are taken care of for for life. Uh, you have free health care. Uh, you have benefits to go to college. You have open, free education, 100%. Now, no other country like America, possibly the UK, gives its kids a leg up, its orphans a leg up mm-hmm. like the United States does. Take that same. We're not slapping guns in their hands. Exactly. Say that. <laughs> take that same kid and take him, put him in Sierra Leone, for example, or in Zimbabwe, or any other foreign third world country, mm-hmm. and his his chance of survival diminishes ninety percent. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the reason why it's you know it is important to adopt out out of the country if if that's what God's calling you to do. And again, this is what God's calling you to do. But it's it's unbelievable the amount of Christians and this is a this to me is kind of a heartbreak because I see uh retired American Christians who have money left mm-hmm. in their lives, you know, mm-hmm. who go to Florida and ride on a boat every day and say, I'm done with raising kids and families and all that. I'm going to buy a boat and chill out in Florida and, you know, maybe have a garden instead of (laughs) adopt kids. Right. Because I believe that there, you know, there's just so much potential that we can do. Well, well, the light in this is that there are lots of people, young people. Yeah. My, my daughter and son-in-law are a good example that are mindful Right of this stuff, and they're they're devoting themselves to it. Uh, there's a video that's been going viral lately. I think you and I were talked about this, right. this video about a family that was picking up uh, mostly foreign adoptions, but they're also not only are they focusing on foreign adoptions, they're focusing on foreign special needs. Whoa, special needs children. Right. So, uh, you know, Down syndrome kids and and kids with with malformities and. And they're taking them in and they're basically giving them the life that there's no way they could have anywhere else. I'll never forget. It's a beautiful little picture about it. Whenever I was a a kid, I went to a Christian private school for a year. Um, It was a horrible experience. But one of the things I got out of it, there was this um, black kid uh, who was my age. 
a severely mentally disabled and and handicapped. Had to ride around in a uh, um, in a motorized uh, wheelchair, mm-hmm. um, but was out of it. But he still went to school with us, and um, I was told his condition. And what what had happened was um, he was uh, born in Africa, and lived in a village, and lived. His parents put him under the house because it was shameful to have a handicapped kid. Wow. So he would live under the house like a dog and be fed dog scraps. Wow. Okay. And this mission foreign missionary saw his condition and adopted him and took him to America and took care of him. Mm-hmm. And just imagine if they had not done that, right. He wouldn't have and, lived past 20. And it's funny because that sounds like it's so easy. Like you're in a missionary and you're over there and it's like, Hey, I'm going to take this kid home with me. But that, that's a hard, that's a long, hard process, especially depending decision, on the country yeah. that you're talking about. Right. And especially when you're talking about a lot of these places, they're not even trying to place children. Right. So uh, I have, I've visited uh, a few orphanages in Haiti since we've been down over there. And here's one thing that's very interesting. I never thought about as a Christian until I went over there and visited an orphanage. These aren't, these are children's homes. Right. That's right. how they, that's how the people that facilitate it see it. They don't see it as, hey, this is a farm where I can, you know, farm out these kids to people. There's they're not actively trying to place these kids. No, they're not. They're giving them homes. Right. And that's basically when you're in a third world country and you're talking about an orphanage, unless it is a big international um, organization. Right. All it is is loving people who care or caring for there's, there's one um, orphanage in Merger, the little village that we've been helping lately. uh, And it's called the Smyrna orphanage. And all it basically is, is a guy who has compassion and opened up his house to any displaced kids. Yeah. And so now I think there's 20 or 30 kids there. Wow. And it's just a guy's house. Yeah. And, and, but it's an orphanage. And so there is so much of this going on. Sure. That, um, I don't know. I, one, one of the things that I wanted to, to uh, talk about before we went much further was sure. this thing I found that people who are out there trying to adopt kids and who are adopting kids and who are giving these kids um, a taste of, of Christianity, of what, what adoption means... And also uh, giving them life, um, they catch a lot of flack from a lot of people. Right. And uh, which is always the case when you're doing good things. Right? Sure. <laughs> so, but, but I found this very interesting article of, of 10 things not to say to adoptive parents. And, and I, the reason why I bring it up is because hopefully this will make us think some of our, some of the things that we have are misconceptions. Sure. About, uh, so, so one of them is, um, so if an adoptive parent adopts a child and you say, now watch, you'll get pregnant. <laughs> okay. First off, you're running on the assumption that the only reason they're adopting the, yeah. is because <laughs> they, they can't have, pregnant. they yeah. can't have kids of their own or, wow. and that's another thing, their own, like, sure. <laughs> we're going to talk about that here in a second too, but how they can't have kids, uh, biologically. So they, um, so that's a, a false assumption. Don't sure. assume because someone is adopting that they can't uh, get pregnant. Uh, 
and uh, okay, here's another one. It says, um, oh, he's so lucky. Adoptive kids are anything but lucky. <laughs> they have experienced the loss of a first family and perhaps even the loss of their birth country and language. These kids don't feel lucky to right. come to America. They're grieving the loss of their home and everything that is familiar. When you say this, it glosses over their losses. So, yeah, don't don't look through things through uh, uh, rose-colored glasses about right. how, oh, now they're in America. Everything, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're so good. Easy peasy. Or how about this one? You ask an adoptive parent, well, how much did he cost? <laughs> <laughs> this one lady says, our child is not a car. <laughs> if you really need to know this, then Google it. <laughs> um, one of them that we kind of already talked about is, well, can't you just go pick him up? And usually this is said in reference to, oh, I, the statement's like, oh, I can't wait to hold my baby. I can't wait to. Sure. It's like, well, can't you just go pick it up? Like, yeah. like the baby's just like sitting there and all, all you right. got to do is go steal them. <laughs> no, there are legal reasons why you can't just go snag a kid from a foreign country. <laughs> um, oh, how about this one that people say? We've always wanted to adopt, but first we're going to have a few of our own. So there we are with this whole th- idea about if they're not biologically um, sharing your genes, then they're, they're not yours. Not your kids, yeah. Yeah, no, the, the adoptive child is ever bit as much of your kid as a biological That's kid right. would be. So, uh, and this is a really hard one because you just say things like that. Right. It just comes off the top of your head. But um, but the the thought here is be considerate to um, this, I- this idea that you're not lessening a child's importance right? because that child's adopted. Amen. Um, or of course, then there's the, why don't you adopt from America? There's plenty of kids here that need homes. <laughs> and uh, yes, that is true. Um, and um, this lady says, but we are not obligated to only adopt from our own country. Should children from Ukraine, China, Ethiopia, Congo, et cetera, be disqualified simply because they aren't here. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, people saying things like, well, don't adopt from country X or country Y because I've heard those kids are messed up or, <laughs> you know, or, or they're going to come over here with AIDS or they're going to come over here with whatever. Right. And it's like, um, t- tell that to the family that's adopting the uh, down syndrome children. And I mean, it's not about how afflicted they are. You don't want the perfect one. Right. You know, I mean, the, the, if they're in need, they're in need. Amen. Um, or how about this one? I totally know what you're going through. Cause I adopted a dog once. <laughs> well, I've adopted a cat, so I totally get that. <laughs> it's not, not the same thing. I don't even want to know what the process is to adopt a cat. I've, I've, I've tried to get rid of cats more than a, <laughs> than it was in a brown box at Walmart. <laughs> so I grabbed him and took him home. His name is Walter Mitty. He's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, it's, uh, let's, let's, uh, Oh, wait a minute. Right, here's another one. Okay. What happened to his real mom? Oh, so you're not a real mom. If- My mom would freak <laughs> out if somebody said that to her about Ton. Woo. Let's, uh, let's take it from a purely physical adopting a child to the spiritual aspect of this. We are adopted children. Amen. Amen. In fact, we're not only adopted children. We are the subjects of 
foreign adoption. Oh, that's even better. Amen. That's Jesus right. was not American, was no, he? No, he was not. I, I don't think so. He was Jewish. Was he not? Was he not a surfer guy with blonde hair and <laughs> blue eyes? <laughs> yes. Let's uh, let's look at Romans chapter eight real quick. Let's do it. And actually, I'm going to jump. We're just going to read starting in verse one. Uh, a lot of Paul's theology actually hinged on, uh, of course, um, uh, redemptive grace, mm-hmm. but adoption as sons. Right. And uh, you can read it here in chapter eight. You can go all the, all the way through. You can look at Galatians four, Ephesians one. Um, so much adoptive uh, language language is used, mm-hmm. but we've been grafted in. That's right, grafted in. Um, but let's look at one of the the most um, potent uh, scriptures on this on this language. So it starts out, and and Paul is of course making um, the case for now that we are saved, we need to live life in the Spirit. And this is right. This is what he's talking about. He says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things according to the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So right now, Paul is contrasting two different things, life in the flesh mm-hmm. versus life in the spirit, okay? Okay. Um, and, and keep that in mind because we're going to go look at John chapter 3 here in a minute. Okay. Which is awesome. Uh, for to set the mind of the flesh is death, set the mind of the spirit is life and peace, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay? Mm. You, whoever, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life, Spirit is life because of righteousness. Again, contrast. Yep. Death, flesh, Spirit, life. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, we had to preface all that in order to get to here. Okay. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, but to live according to the flesh. Not to flesh, no, I'm sorry, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you are put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Daddy. Daddy, that's right. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. 
Now, let's stop right there and look at this and think about this. Originally, we are born into a law. We're born into the law of sin and death mm-hmm. through the flesh. It was a really, really, really bad parent, this law of sin and death, <laughs> because it leads to condemnation. Right. Death, disease, destruction, terrible, terrible fate. Sounds kind of like a country us. ridden with AIDS. That's right. right. Sounds like a country <laughs> where we are born in despicable conditions, and yet and, God... And nothing can make you happy except for sin. That's right. And it doesn't even work. Yep. And it's disgusting. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son to buy us as payment, Mm -hmm. redemptive work here, to switch places, and we become adopted into the spirit. Mm -hmm. Adopted. Whereby we cry, Daddy. Exactly. And, And think about it from a child's standpoint who never knew his father. Mm. Or who never had a dad. Whoa. And what it must feel like to run into the arms of a father. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's powerful. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what... And, and we who have, have been converted under, could, should understand that. More than anybody else on the earth. Right. We should get this redemptive adoption mm-hmm. as sons because we've been given this uh, new life. Well... And that's why I want to focus on John 3. But before I do that, uh, Paul says something that to the Israelites may have shocked them right after after he says that. Um, in verse 16, no, in verse 17, he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Hmm. Okay, so what does he say? He says, not only are we children, but we have we have an an heir, mm-hmm. uh, or we are heirs. We have a what is it? A uh, um, what's it called? Inheritance. Inheritance. Thank you, <laughs> man. My mind was just <laughs> yes, an inheritance, and our inheritance lasts forever. And it's the same inheritance as the natural-born son of Jesus, of, of God. Know, of God we we are joint heirs with him. We're we're brothers with Jesus. Right. And I know that's hard for us to, to think about because we often think of Jesus is Lord, and I'm not taking that away. <laughs> but, you know, read Hebrew in the first few ver- chapters of Hebrews, right. and it talks about that, that he is, he calls us brothers. He calls us, we're joint heirs with him. So we're going to get right. to experience the same benefits right. that the natural-born son does amen god's own son we so get we're, we're we become his own as well exactly and the reason why i said this this would have blown a a hebrew's mind mm-hmm. was because um if you look at if you do a a historical understanding of of adoption um there there's uh a couple different uh types of adoption to understand during this time at play the first one is, of course, the Hebrew understanding. Um, Hebrews very rarely out- adopted outside their families. Right. They only adopted uh, your brother's son if your brother dies, mm-hmm. or your you know your nephew. Uh, good example: Abraham. Um, a lot of pe- a lot of Hebrew scholars believe that Lot was Abraham's adopted 
son. In other words, he, right. t- he took care of him. Now, Lot did not share in Abraham's inheritance. Right. He wasn't given an inheritance. In fact, Abraham was still looking for an heir. He could have given his inheritance a lot, but that wasn't their idea of adoption. Their idea of adoption was, I'm going to take care of this kid until he's old enough, and then I'm going to send him off. That was their idea of yeah. adoption, okay? And they never did it outside their extended family. Right. On the other side, you have another culture playing on this. There's a Roman or the Greco-Roman culture. And the Greco-Roman culture during this time had no clue about adopting children. They didn't believe it was even important. In fact, there was a a great practice of if you had a kid and you weren't able to take care of it, a horrible, I'm sorry, not a great practice, horrible practice. <laughs> if you had a kid and you weren't able to take, they would leave it out, expose it to die. Mm. Um, or they would do abortion um, because they didn't have any concept of adopting. Now, they did have a concept of heir adopting, and this is where they would adopt an adult to come in right. and to lead the family. Ben-Hur is a good example. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about the movie earlier. Where... That's right. Um, and in this example, this adult would become the heir of the family. In other words, he would have the inheritance and all mm-hmm. that, um, but he would also lead the family. He would be the one responsible. Right. That was the adoption they understood. So what Paul is doing here is actually combining both of these yeah, it's, 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 concepts. It, it's backwards to what they were thinking of. Exactly. So it's going, not only is he raising you as a child, lovingly taking care of you, he has adopted you fully to become his son. The same way that it's weird for most people to think about foreign adoptions. Right. Because it's like, that's unnatural. Why are we doing that? Right. We, uh, don't we have a foster care system or whatever that we can do here? Sure. It's the same type of thing, but, but Paul took it to the next level. Right. You know, we as Gentiles, we've got no part in, in that from a historical and uh, cultural standpoint. Right. So the only reason we can enjoy it because of this is because of this foreign adoption policy. Sure. But the thing that, um, that really hit the nail on the head for me with adoption that really helped me understand salvation was adoption. Mm. Uh, John chapter three, everybody knows John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that, mm-hmm. but few people know who Jesus was talking to and what he was talking about in that, uh, in that chapter. And he was talking to Nicodemus, right? The Pharisee who comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he's scared. <laughs> right. He doesn't want anybody else to... He wants to pick his brain. Exactly. And he wants to ask him, basically, about eternal life. How do I inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. Same thing a rich young ruler really wants to know. These Pharisees struggled with that. Anyways, so... Uh, well, it wasn't a normal Pharisee doctrine. No, That's it wasn't. Was. That's right. So they were, you know, confused about it. And this is what Jesus said. And it's something that ever since I was a kid, way up until maybe... In my mid-twenties, I never really understood. In fact, I was going, what the crap does that mean? What are you talking about, Jesus? I was just like Nick. <laughs> Nick. Yeah, Good Nicodemus. Good old Nicky, yeah. <laughs> Jesus says, you must be born again. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse, uh, verse 3, uh, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And remember the reply. What does Nicodemus say? How can I get up yeah. back up in my mother's womb? Right. What are you talking yeah, that's about? Whack. Yeah, you're crazy. It's totally whack. 
And Jesus responds, I say to you, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he's not talking about a physical thing. No. He's talking about a spiritual. That's right. A spiritual rebirth. Now, what happened? When it, what happens whenever you're adopted? A really cool thing to use would be actually American adoption, and I watched my brother go through this. Mm-hmm. Right, he was a, he was given a new name, Tan Noah Orr, mm-hmm. his name now. Mm-hmm. Right, he was given a completely new life, um, and it was a declared almost declared birth date whenever that court date was finalized. Right, we stood before the judge, and it was a it was a sworn in thing. It was finalized. It was a new birth. He was born again. He was born again. And that's the picture that we have with adoption. So yeah, I, exactly. It's a beautiful, it is. awesome and, picture. And I, I love that when Jesus is about to die and he's got, yeah. he's got all his disciples there together and, and he's talking to them and he's telling them, you know, um, do not fear. Um, I, I will come back for you. And he's, he's, he's given him this kind of a somewhat of a pep talk. And sure. he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's going to come help and be of great benefit. Right. And while he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming, uh, he, he kind of uh, uh, makes this statement that is in the ESV translation really applies to what we're talking about here when he says uh, in, in John 14, verse 18, uh, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yeah. So uh, this ties in perfectly with this whole idea of being born spiritually, being born of the Spirit. You right. have the Holy Spirit coming, and in reference to the Holy Spirit coming, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. Sure. I will come to you. Right. And and I, I think about that. Um, it's like um, my, my daughter has, has made little signs and things like that say that. She has no idea who this child is that she's going to be adopting from Ethiopia, but she's already made this statement right to them. Mm, that's beautiful. So I, you know, I will not leave you yeah. in an orphan state. I'm not going to leave you that way. Yeah. I will come to you. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what is the seal of that adoption? <laughs> it's the Holy spirit, right? And mm. that's what he's talking about when he says, I will come to you. He's talking about the Holy spirit coming and dwelling and dwelling us. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit, to, to have that adoption. In fact, Jesus goes on in, in chapter 3 of John and said, uh, says, uh, the wind blows where it, where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. What he's talking about there is the feeling. We know. We, we understand because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, leading us, just like you feel the wind blow. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't you don't see it. You feel it. It's the same way you feel right. that you are adopted. And just like child. your brother didn't have to see the adoption papers to right. know there was something there. There yeah. was something that existed at that point. Yeah. So a familial, a familial uh, uh, connection, connection mm-hmm. that wasn't there before. Right. So it's amazing. So wow. anyways, cool. That's what we have for adoption. Awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, you guys, make sure to reach out to us and talk to us and let us know um, what you think and chime in on these. Talk to us via Twitter. We'll uh, we'll we'll banter back and forth. At, That's right. At Theonautical. 
Um, you can jump on Facebook and talk to us there, facebook.com slash, theo, uh, slash Theonauts. Right. And uh, you can see the uh, occasional picture we throw on the Instagram at Theonauts <laughs> on right. Instagram. Um, so, and, and give us a call. We still got a voicemail line. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. 972-885-7270. Amen. So, oh, and don't forget the the newsletter, gctnetwork.com slash newsletter we'll try or subscribe <laughs> i can't remember something like that <laughs> you know we'll just just uh, go to gctnetwork.com and visit all of us our friends over there at finding christ in cinema right uh, they're back on the air this week yeah so. go check i was just gonna say that go check out fcc today because uh or tomorrow whichever whenever they get it uploaded yeah because uh it should be good i imagine they'll have a lot to say after taking a couple weeks off so yeah probably so all right jeremiah thanks for being here thanks dave god bless you this has been the theonauts podcast call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270 that's 972-885-7270 we'd love to hear from you are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. This is your great commission transmission.